people ask me like, how can you be so calm? How, how are you not raging and flaming right now? It's not easy. It's not natural. You have to make a clear distinction between being results oriented and performance oriented. I don't care about whether we are winning or losing. All I'm trying to do is play the best possible league that I can from that situation. Welcome to Challenger Insights, where we dive into the minds of the best League of Legends players to figure out how they think about the game. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I'm joined by Expetu. He's a Challenger Shen OTP, and he's been in the top 25 in Challenger in Europe West and Nordic East, having reached up to 1200 LP, and he's been Challenger for five seasons in a row. Before we get started, we're doing a live Q&A with Expetu in the Challenger Insights Discord. It'll be happening this Saturday, November 6th at 11 a.m. Central Time or 4 p.m. in the UK. The link for the Discord will be in the show notes. Be sure to join as you can also find transcripts for each episode and you'll be notified when a new episode comes out. Expetu, it's awesome to have you here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, I'm glad to be here today. Awesome. So let's get started. Um, how would you describe Shen in your own words? How would I describe Shen? Okay, so, well, let's start with the thematic itself. He's obviously a dual-wielding ninja who has two, like, swords, and the, one of them is, like, the spirit realm sword. So, thematically, that's pretty edgy and cool, if I'm being honest. And then, from a, like, gameplay perspective, Shen is a basic attack-based bruiser, I would say. I mean, he is regarded as a vanguard or whatever, so he would be, like, a supportive tank but he can be played like a bruiser. But I, I really like the fluidity in his kit because his auto attacks feel so smooth. Can you elaborate on that? Because like you said, uh, most people would regard him as more of a supportive champion. What does it mean to you that he's an auto attack based champion? I mean, there's lots of auto attack <laughs> based champions in top lane, right? Yeah, that's true. There are many, like, for example, uh, Trindamir, uh that's just the first example that comes to mind because I recently uh, enjoyed Trindamir for a couple of days. But the thing with Shen is that all of his damage comes from his auto attacks, right? And he, with his Q, he has a slightly increased auto attack range. And what this does is it makes kiting uh, as a melee champion much easier. And it also requires you to be able to kite efficiently as a melee champion, which is something that uh, people underestimate in how important it is. Okay, interesting. So the the focus that you have on the champion is almost mostly on the micro, whereas most Chen players would maybe look at him as a macro champion, you know, with the focus on always helping your team. I don't know, is that accurate? I, I, I think uh, that is a misinterpretation because obviously I'm interested in every aspect of his gameplay. So it's not like I'm only focusing on the micro, but that's just what stands out to me. Like, I, I think you're right about me approaching him from a different angle to most people, because if you're new to Shen or you just generally play League and haven't played Shen, then you probably feel like his identity is revolved around saving people with his ultimate. And then, like, by contrast, 
I felt like the most important part was his laning phase and his like 1v1 potential and his micro. So, uh, so I guess you're right in some sense, but that doesn't mean that I don't take the macro aspect of Shen seriously. Okay, interesting. Um, let's get into that a bit. Um, when it comes to the laning phase or basically that thing that you do different, the focus on, on the laning phase, um, how does that play out? How does that give you an advantage? So I think the number one common misconception when it comes to Shen is that people didn't recognize that his early laning phase is so strong. And this is something that like challenger players knew uh, after a couple of seasons of facing me and Shending help because we were playing the early laning phase so aggressively and Shending helps he's another challenger Shen player. We, we kind of share the number one Shen spot with him. We can consider him to be the more consistent one and myself to be the more um, innovative one. Uh, anyways, but with our content, I feel like this hole or gap in the common Shen player base knowledge has been filled. But the majority of player base does not respect Shen's uh, powerful learning phase. And it is something that has been kind of uh, flying under the radar for a while now. Okay, so how do you use that? Are you just, you know, are you just very aggressive in lane or uh, what do you do to make use of that? Well, I would, you could say that I'm aggressive, but I like to consider it uh, as just playing the laning phase correctly. So what you need to do is you need to punish the opponent's mistakes. And with Shen, you can do that efficiently by um, positioning your spirit blade in the correct manner. And this is something that has just only recently been talked about. I'm now perfecting it myself, although it has been a large part of my gameplay, like intuitively for a while now, but I've made an effort to concentrate on it later after like Shending Help talked to me about it and we had a discussion about it. But the thing with his spirit blade is that uh, obviously you get, you get your empowered cue if you drag it through an enemy and the enemy is also slowed when moving away from you. So if you get the drag through, then Shen's Q is very powerful and you have an opportunity to trade and you win like most melee matchups, I would say like 95% of the melee matchups uh, in the early game. But if you don't get this empowered Q, then you're just average strength. So it becomes very crucial to be able to position the spirit blade in such a manner that if you draw a direct line from the spirit blade to yourself, then the opponent will be uh, in that line. Okay, so how do you do that? So we'll place your spirit blade behind the enemy's ranged minions. That's like the generic spot where you're looking to get it. Because what this does is when you're going in for last hits on the enemy melee minions, then probably the enemy laner will also be uh, trying to hit like your melee minions. So when you have the blade behind the enemy range minions, then the blade's drag-through line will intersect with the opponent's kind of path of movement, and you should be able to get an empowered queue. Okay, interesting. Uh, is this kind of like a pattern that you're just repeating? Are you like dragging it through them and then walking up again and placing it back? Like, is that kind of the the thing that you're trying to repeat in lane consistently? Yeah, yeah, it's part of the core trading pattern of Shen because his actual like. Um, 
what we call extended trade or uh, sometimes referred to as forbidden combo in popular culture <laughs> is the um, combo where you use your Shen Q, uh, preferably you get dragged through, and then you wait for a little bit because Shen's Q has a duration of eight seconds, I believe. So you're not forced to auto-attack immediately and use that ability. So instead you can just wait a little bit, wait for your cooldown to come uh, down, and then engage with either E or by walking up. Auto-attack three times, so you use your three stacks of Empowered Q, and then your Q cooldown will be off cooldown, and you can use it again. So in total this makes for six Q auto-attacks. And this is kind of the basic trading pattern that you're trying to repeat over and over again versus melee champions. There is some variation when it comes to like ranged champions because you're not able to do this uh, all the time. But versus a generic tank or bruiser, this is the pattern that you're trying to repeat. Okay, awesome. I can start to see why the, the laning phase for Shen is a mo lot more interesting than some people might realize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we really get into it, I wanted to just quickly ask you about your setup. Um, what runes and summoners are you running on Shen? Uh, I'll start with the summoner spells. So I've been running Ignite for a couple of seasons now. And we initially, when I say we, I usually mean me and Shending help. Uh, uh, we, we made the jump to Ignite when Teleport got changed. I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was two years ago. But what they did is they made the uh, early level cooldowns of Teleport much higher and reduced it when you're level 18 or like higher levels. So what this does is it makes Teleport weaker in the part of the game where Shen would utilize it most. Because Teleport is not as impactful on Shen after like 20 minutes, because at that point you're relying on your ultimate to get into fights and you don't need to teleport. The only, only kind of part of the game where you really enjoy teleport and would like to have it is the early game, because then you can come back to lane. I mean, teleport in general is very powerful in top lane because you can get resets off that are not possible without teleport, so you can basically have this kind of get out of jail free card when it comes to a bad wave position and maybe you've been ganked by the opponent and your low HP so instead of just being forced to uh, get experience or lose three waves uh, you're able to recall and TP back and the other thing where teleport is useful for Shen in the early game is uh, level 6 when you have ulted to bot lane or mid lane you can recall and teleport back to top lane so you don't miss uh, a lot of waves or let the opponent get tower plating. So all of this, all of that early game power of teleport was nerfed by increasing the cooldown. So then we started looking at Ignite. Okay, well Ignite could complement Shen's aggressive early uh, laning phase. And also it can be used in combination with your ultimate to make aggressive plays more consistent. So when you're ulting, uh, you will jump into a situation. Usually you're trying to kind of get that situation done as fast as possible because you're not looking for an extended fight. All you want to do is maybe save a teammate, kill an enemy. And to do that as fast as possible is possible with Ignite because Ignite helps you kill the target faster than you can recall and walk back to lane. 
So all of this combined just made the switch to Ignite reasonable. So that's what I've been running recently. Although uh, uh, this is like a really complicated topic in itself, just choosing one summoner spell, which is pretty funny. But uh, teleport is useful in matchups where you don't have any kill pressure. So for example, something like you're going up against a Nico top lane. Or even Aatrox, because Aatrox is one of Shen's worst matchups. You could run TP just for the fact to make your laning phase safer, because you can't kill those champions, like, realistically. Even though, like, naturally you would think that Ignite would be good versus Aatrox, who heals a lot. But the thing is that you're not supposed to kill Aatrox. Like, if, if the Aatrox is as good as you, then you will never kill him. If you're both challenger-level players, you will never kill him. And at that point, your Ignite becomes useless, Aatrox has more wave clear, TP will be more useful. But generally, I like to run Ignite, and I recommend Ignite for lower elos. Or it doesn't have to be low elo, but anyone who is between Iron and Master Tier, you can just run Ignite every game. Like, honestly, it is, it is easier to use correctly than TP, in my opinion. Okay, awesome. I, I feel like that... You know, maybe not a lot of people are catching on to that yet, right? Because I'm pretty sure teleport is the most common summer spell on Chen. Why do you feel that is? How come that? How come you're the only one who has figured this out? I mean, I'm not the only one, but uh, people just they they kind of refuse to step away from the norm sometimes or the meta, so to say. So when you've been running, like you just assume that teleport is the best one in top lane. You just go flash teleport every. If I didn't mention flash, by the way, but I just take it as an assumption that everyone is running flash because it's the best summoner spell in the game. So you should be taking it on Shen. There are obviously some champions that do not want to take flash, but in Shen's case, you should always take flash. So no, none of that ignite TP shenanigans that I've been seeing recently. But uh, just I think I think it comes down to what people are used to and what they see is the meta for such a long time. So that's not why they're running teleport. And uh, I think it's a mistake, honestly. Like we take Steve, for example. Steve is a platinum four Shen main. He's only running teleport because he doesn't know any better. So if Steve would move from teleport to Ignite, he would suddenly have much more kill opportunities in lane because that platinum opponent, he will make mistakes. He will overextend. And in those situations, when you have Ignite, you can punish him for it. And Steve's teleport usage is far from optimal anyways. He's probably uh, having it uh, off cooldown for multiple minutes in the game. He's not making aggressive plays with it. He's also only using it to reactively get back to lane after a death or something. And he's wasting most of teleport's value because uh, I sincerely think that teleport is a more difficult summer spell to use correctly than ignite because ignite is just okay. You have a kill opportunity, use ignite. That's like the basic usage of it. So uh, I feel like it's a mistake if you take teleport every game. Okay, interesting. And then quickly for the runes as well, what do you run on Shen? So I would advise you to stick to one rune page, and that would be. Grasp of the Undying, so we take Resolve Primary, and we are going for Shield Bash, Second Wind, Revitalize, then we take Domination Secondary, and from Domination we like to take Cheap Shot, and then Ultimate Hunter. So each of these runes is just extremely efficient on Shen. So we can start from the top. Grasp of the Undying, 
it fits perfectly into their trading pattern. You're a melee champion. You like to build health. Health is good on you. Uh, you want to get some extra sustain and damage. Grasp fits perfectly. Shield bash. You have constant shields from your passive. So you can make use of it throughout the laning phase and after that. Second wind. I prefer second wind to both bone plating and conditioning. Because second wind you always get the maximum value out of it, in my eyes, because it's not um, situational. So, for example, conditioning, sometimes, obviously, you're not getting any value out of it before, what, 12 minutes. And I feel like, in general, you should, you should take runes that complement your early game, because the proportional power of runes is higher in the early game. Because as you get more gold then the runes will kind of have a smaller percentage of your total power. So you should use runes effectively in the early game where they have the most power. There is some like exception to this, obviously, with Ultimate Hunter, because that is a scaling rune, but I will get back to it. So just from my perspective, Second Wind has always felt better on Shen, and that's what I've been running. And then Revitalize synergizes with your passive shield, Ultimate Shield, and it, it, it just works. It also helps you from level one because you get bigger shields and if you like to take those aggressive early trades then revitalize will be helping in those already in comparison to something like overgrowth which is also completely viable and you could take overgrowth but i just prefer to take everything that helps me in the early game and then we go into the domination secondary tree where we have cheap shot which is actually triggered from dragging the spirit blade through an enemy because that slows the enemy so you can use Q through the enemy and auto attack. You will trigger shield bash with your passive shield. You will trigger cheap shot with the slow from your drag through. And you will also trigger grass of the undying if you have it stacked. So those are three runes that are being procked at the same time as you do one Q auto attack. And this makes Shen's trades really deadly in the early game. And then the last rune, ultimate hunter. The reason why we take this is because Shen's ultimate cooldown is the longest cooldown in the game. So obviously a percent, uh, like a percentual reduction in that cooldown is extremely valuable. If you get it uh, stacked up in the early game and then you're looking at this massive cooldown reduced by 20% or something. So the amount of plays that you get to make during a game is increased rapidly by taking Ultimate Hunter. And yeah, I, I still need to talk about the rune shards, right? So we have two times Adaptive Force. And why we take this is because um, this allows us to last hit range minions with one Q after they've been hit by a tower auto attack starting from level 3. So this just makes last hitting easier and also makes your trades more powerful. Some people would like to go for attack speed instead, but I've noticed that adaptive force feels better, uh, allows you to get more last hits and also it does more damage in trades because you already have attack speed from your empowered queue so then the last shot would be armor or magic resistance depending on the matchup <laughs> awesome all right um so you're always just running this one rune page and never changing it or are there like minor runes that you never swap out well i specified that this is what i would recommend you guys to take because uh, honestly like runes do not uh, dictate what happens in the game. They are marginal improvements. Obviously, in some cases, they will have an impact, 
but you should be focusing more on improving your gameplay rather than making marginal increases in power through changing runes situationally. So for me, I cannot resist kind of trying out new runes. So for example, I had a phase where I was running fleet footwork all the time, although that was recently nerfed. But then I've also been running um, Spellbook some of the time because that that makes for an interesting playstyle where you can kind of completely uh, disregard getting kills in the laning phase and rather focus on making plays for your team and switching to smite for example to steal objectives and all sorts of fun stuff like this but i i would only kind of refer to uh, to this quote by Machiavelli who is a Italian philosopher from what, what is it, like uh, the 14th 16th century so what Machiavelli said was uh, men desire novelty to such an extent that those who are doing well wish for a change as much as those who are doing badly so the reason why I'm saying this is because even if I'm doing well with the grasp room page I'm always looking to, ooh, oh, maybe we can try some new rune page for some uh, for some dark technology or something. Like we can get better results when another rune page. When in fact, like this grasp page is tried and true. It is the best rune page you can take on Shen. So instead of trying to get some random marginal increases in power, you should just stick to the same rune page so you know exactly how much damage you will be doing. Because when you play with the same rune page over and over again, you will have that muscle memory of how much damage your combo does at each point during the game. And when you compare it to someone who is switching rune page every game, they will have no muscle memory or they will be thinking that they can kill someone but because they played with another rune page their damage will be five damage lower at level two and then they can't kill the opponent and instead they die so that's why i would recommend you just to stick to this one page wow all right <laughs> i love that that is that is honestly very wise <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome let's uh let's focus on well we've been talking about it uh, a little bit before but uh let's focus on the early laning phase for a bit Obviously, you've you've mentioned everything about the trading pattern and all that kind of stuff. Um, getting into the game, what's kind of your plan for the first few levels? What are your goals that you're trying to achieve? So, well, first of all, you should realize if uh, you are required to leash for your jungler. So that determines how you will play the early laning phase. If you are required to leash for your jungler, then you will perform a triple Q leash which is done by using Shen's Q at first 1 minute 17 seconds, then twice after it comes, like immediately after it comes back on cooldown. And the reason why we do this is so that the key barrier, which is your passive, the cooldown will be, it, it will be off cooldown when you need it. The first Q at 1.17, all it does is it uses the key barrier cooldown. So that way, your second Q will not use the cooldown and it will be up for your third Q. So what will happen is you will use the second Q at 125. You will auto-attack three times. You don't have a passive shield at this point, but it's okay to take a couple of hits because you will regen it with your base health region. And then you will use your third Q after hitting those three Q auto-attacks and you will get the key barrier shield so you can tank another two hits for your jungler not take any extra damage from those, hit it with three Q out attacks, and total you have done, because it does percentage max HP damage, 
versus uh, blue buff and red buff, this leash will be one of the best leashes that any top laner can give. Because you're essentially tanking like four hits for your jungler and hitting the jungle camp for something like 700 damage or something ridiculous. So the first thing is we have to identify if we are leashing. If we are leashing, we will do it correctly. If we are not leashing, then we have a second decision. Do we want to try to cheese them? So we will wait in a bush and try to level one all in. Or is the champion that you're facing too powerful at level one, so we will instead just walk back to lane. I can't list everyone who you can cheese level one, but in general, champions that are weak, uh, you can try to cheese. So what we will do is we will wait in a bush until the opponent appears, and we will just use Shen's early game power uh, to completely destroy them. Usually force a flash or even kill the opponent if you have ignite. Uh, but champions that are strong in the early game, you can't do this against. So what you will do is you will simply walk into lane and you will place your sword in an aggressive position. So you will try to get the blade at a point where it will be behind uh, the enemy range minions as we discussed previously. So we, we will always have a plan for level one. It just depends on first, do I need to leash? Second, can I cheese the opponent level one? So then we have three possible outcomes. Okay. Can you give some examples of champions that you absolutely could not do the cheese against? Like, which champions are so strong that you should never try? Um, actually, even, even like um, Aatrox can be to level 1, because that is the matchup that we discussed previously. But some matchups that you can absolutely not do is, for example, Gwen with a Doran's Blade. Gwen uh, players are usually running Teleport Ignite, so you don't have any Ignite advantage. Uh, Gwen is ridiculously strong level one for some reason because she has just inflated base stats and a powerful ability level one with e so versus gwen you can't do it uh versus darius you can't do it okay versus a bad darius player you could maybe get away with it but realistically you will lose it so versus gwen versus darius maybe versus olaf you can't cheese champions like this okay awesome so are there, like, uh, you mentioned this whole trading pattern of you're basically constantly looking to get this Q drag through and almost like poking them out of the lane, right? So is that something that you can always do against every matchup or is that also kind of matchup dependent? Are there any situations where you would change up that strategy? Well, so generally, if you're just uh, approaching it from a matchup standpoint, so if the only variable we have here is uh, what champion the opponent is playing, then any tank or bruiser is um, susceptible to getting poked out by Shen if you play the laning phase correctly. So we're talking any kind of melee champion. So you have your Orn, your Garen, your Riven, your Camille, any champion like this, you can perform uh, the Q drag throughs with the extended trade to poke them out if you play it properly. But then champions like Nico, Gangplank, Kennen, Jace, for example, lane bullies, you're not able to approach them without getting uh, poked out like very heavily. So in most of those matchups, so ranged uh, or otherwise lane bully matchups, you will have to kind of relegate yourself into a passive playstyle where you will only try to get as many minions as possible and affect the game 
with your ultimates instead of getting a lead in your own lane. So I think that would be kind of the general distinction. But there are other variables like the skill of the opposing player because sometimes you will just realize that the opponent is not as good as you. So a bad chase player, for example, I can poke him out. Like I can go for early kills. Even bad Darius players, you can beat. Right. Okay. Um, out of uh, the champions that you mentioned, it seems like it's it's mostly the ranged champions, right? That are the hardest to poke out. Does that mean that it's just all ranged champions? Like take Vayne top, for example, or, or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, generally you can say Vayne top, uh, Nar top, Karma top, anything like this will be very difficult for you. Simply due to the fact that if you engage with E, then you don't have any way of disengaging. And you will take a lot of poke for going in for an auto attack. So it, it's just very hard for Shen to be able to deal with range matchups correctly. And all it requires is patience. Like you have the tools uh, that uh, give you capability to survive these laning phases because you have your Q to last hit. You have your passive shield to deny poke. You have your W to deny auto attack poke. So you have all of these tools, but you just need to realize that you're not supposed to get kills in these matchups. Like, they pick the ranged bully champion in order to win the laning phase. So you should not be fighting against this, unless they're very bad, of, of course. So there are situations where this doesn't apply. But in general, ranged uh, matchups are pretty difficult for you. Or not difficult, but they require a different attitude and uh, plan. It's, it's, it's all about minimizing the amount of damage that you take, and maximizing the amount of minions that you get. So those are kind of the two objective functions that we are trying to maximize and minimize here. Okay, cool. Um, in general, though, not necessarily for the range matchups, how are you managing the wave during this early phase? So are you generally going to be like pushing it early, and would that be like a fast push or a slow push? This is something that is kind of like uh, one of my weaknesses as a player because I have not studied uh, early laning phase wave control as much as other challenger players have. So I will admit that this is a weakness. And for example, uh, Shending Help has very detailed explanations on how to play the very like early levels of each matchup. So I would actually refer you to our or his um, matchup document where he has every Shen matchup listed and he will have instructions on how to play the first few levels. But in general, if you're looking to get an advantage, you would like to get priority on the first wave. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to kill the opposing minions a little bit faster than the opponent. So what this will do is you will get level two before the opponent. And level two, you can try to go for a level two versus level one all in. And most of the time, if your opponent does not respect it, with Ignite, you can get a kill. Like I'm, I'm speaking to the average platinum gold, any any level player, like you're seriously missing out on opportunities if you're not looking for this level two all in. And after that, like a, a term that has been trending for the past years is this cheater recall play style where you try to uh, slow push so that the third or the cannon minion wave crashes with the second wave into the opposing tower, which gives you an opportunity to recall purchase maybe a Doran's Blade or something to get your early game power up and then come back to lane without losing anything. But I don't I don't like ever do this on Shen because you don't really have an item that you're trying to get with like this 
500 gold power spike or 700 gold power spike, unlike someone like uh, Gangplank, for example, who would like to get an early scene or something like this. So all I try to do is I try to keep the wave in a position where I am safe and if I'm ahead of the opponent, then I will try to freeze it in front of my tower because then the opponent is always in danger of being solo killed by me. Uh, in some situations this is not possible, maybe he has more wave clear than you, or maybe you don't have enough wave clear to, to deal with the minion waves. But uh, those are just some like general tips that I can give you. It, it's very specific otherwise. Okay. How does the scuttlecrab factor into this? Because obviously maybe if you're leashing top then it doesn't really matter that much, but if you're seeing that your jungler is you know pathing towards topside, does that mean that it's more important to you know get priority in the lane, or how does that affect things? Um, well, junglers probably hate to hear this, but I don't factor it in as much as I probably should. The reason is that Shen doesn't have much wave clear, like innately. That's, that is why when we get to the items, uh, we can talk about why we want to build a wave clear item every game, because Shen does not have any wave clear. So. If you're in a situation where you have not set up the waves properly for Scuttlecrab, then you can't just immediately push the wave and show up there. So it requires some planning ahead in order to get the wave pushed out at time 3.15 so you can be there for your jungler. But like I would say for low elo, this is not such a big thing because the pathing of junglers there is suboptimal anyway, so it's not as impactful. But when when you compare it to pro play, for example, there uh, getting priority for scuttle is much more important. Okay. What I also wanted to ask is, obviously, because you're, especially in those melee matchups, you're trying to take a lot of good trades with uh, the enemy. What happens if you end up taking a bad trade instead? Um, you know, maybe you just misjudge the the enemy damage or something like that. Um, how do you salvage that? <laughs> so, so we have some tools to help with that. So we have Second Wind, and we have Doran Shield, which is our starting item every game. So with those two, you already have uh, like quite a good uh, sustain ability, so to say, because Shen doesn't have any innate sustain. So that's why we like to take Second Wind and Doran Shield. So this will kind of mitigate the uh, damage that you take if you take a bad trade or you can regen it up. But if you're running Ignite, for example, there will be times when you will just have to, you, you will literally just have to sit away from the wave. You will try to be in experience range of the minions, but you will just have to give up last hits. So if you took a completely like blunder trade, you took 80% of your HP, the enemy is still close to max HP, then you're just gonna have to sit there and you're just gonna have to soak in the experience because you've made a mistake and now you're getting punished for it. So there's no like easy get out of jail free card here because we're not running teleport, but teleport is anyways like um, not a um, reliable option to get you out of these situations. If you're consistently taking bad trades, then it's all about um, learning why these trades are not working for you. So I guess the punishment in itself is uh, a good motivation to learn how to judge the trades better. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. Um, cool. So in the laning phase, uh, once you hit level six, uh, that's going to be a pretty important moment, right? Yep. Um, but at the same time, you know that the enemy is going to be like pinging it and warning, uh, warning everyone that you hit six. Um, how are you looking to use your first ult? So the first ultimate 
usually it will be reactive because the thing is that you, you say that uh, like the opposing top laner will be pinging and warning their team but realistically if you're in an average solo queue game the opponents won't have any idea about Shen ultimate like they will realize in loading screen okay they have a Shen they might even think okay this game I have to think about the Shen ultimate but they won't be playing around it like they will still get surprised level 6 when you ult the bot lane so I'm trying to use it reactively to turn a situation into a good one. And the reason why we don't just use it immediately is because having access to Shen Ultimate, having it off cooldown, already influences the opponent's gameplay. So we have kind of two assumptions. Either you assume that it doesn't, or then you assume that it does. But in both cases, it's good to wait for a reactive play. Because in the first assumption, if you assume that it does not affect opposing team's gameplay that you have your ultimate up, that means that they will go for fights, which means that you will have an opportunity to get a reactive ultimate off and turn that fight. And in the second assumption, if you assume that it affects the opponent's gameplay, where they will play more passively because they're afraid to go for plays because the enemy Shen has an ultimate, then holding on to that ultimate in the early game can significantly like increase your team's chances of winning the lanes because the opponents are forced to play around your ultimate even though you're not even using it. So simply the threat of Shen ultimate is enough to impact the game. And that, that's why I look for a reactive ultimate level 6 because the opportunities will come and if they don't come then I'm fine sitting in lane and I'm strong like still around this uh, level 5, level 6, level 7, this is still a strong point for Shen in the game because your early game is the best part of your like 1v1 potential. So I'm, I'm completely fine with just chilling in lane, but I just have to look at the map. I have to look everywhere. I need to know if there is an opportunity ult to, to ult. Then I will ult. Okay. Um, speaking of that, like looking for the opportunity... How how do you do that? Because obviously, you know, if you're pan your camera around a lot, sure you'll be able to see, you know, when someone uh, needs help. But at the same time, you're in lane and you're, you know, constantly trading with the enemy. Um, how do you keep track of it all? First of all, you will look at your minimap every maybe three seconds or something, maybe even more frequently than that. At least between every single minion. Like, I'm always looking at the minimap. If there's nothing to look at, if I'm not in an active combat situation with the opponent, you should be looking at your minimap. And then the next step from that is moving your camera to your uh, lanes, uh, like your team, teammates' positions. Because the minimap and the HP bars above it, they give a lot of information already. But it's, it is not enough to judge a situation completely. So what I do is... Um, Okay, so we refer to these keys as F keys, because they're the function keys, but I have rebound them to spacebar, V, C, and X, so I can use them with my thumb while keeping my um, Q, W, E, R fingers on their respective abilities all the time. So I'm using my thumb to move my camera around my ADC, my jungler, and my mid laner basically all of the time. Like I say this, sometimes I will be lazy. I won't do it. But realistically, if you want to play to your full potential, every five seconds you will look around the map at each of your teammates' positions, you will think about their wave state, you will look at their HP, you will judge how the situation is. 
So you can't just say that, okay, uh, I can't do this because I have to focus on laning. No, that's wrong. You just have to improve your capability then. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I, I like the rebinding trick. I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> a lot better than the FKs. I can actually talk about the rebinding trick a little bit more because the reason why this is so important is I play on locked camera, okay? But not all the time. So, so this is this is something like controversial that I have talked about before. But when I'm laning, for example, I keep it on locked camera. But immediately when I have to look somewhere else, I will always unlock it. So this is just a matter of preference because some people, they will have unlocked camera, but then they will hold space bar to keep it centered on them. What I like to do is I like to use Y to toggle the unlocked camera on and off. But when I have it locked, I can simply press space bar, for example. The camera will move to my jungler. And when I release space bar, I will immediately be back in lane. So what this allows me to do is in a matter of maybe like half a second, I can look at the positions and states of every single player on my team and then immediately return to my screen. And because it is bound to space V, C and X that I use with my thumb, that frees up the possibility to use R with your index finger. Because if you're moving your index finger to the function keys, in order to look around the map. Then when you're holding that function key, you cannot press ultimate at the same time. So this allows me to always be kind of aware of what's happening and capable of ulting in a second or half a second. All right, that's awesome. On, on the ultimate as well, are there ever times when maybe, you know, technically there is an opportunity, but you would choose not to ult, uh, even if you could potentially save someone? You know, are there any situations where you really can't? Um, the answer is yes, there are. A long answer is it's very hard to describe these situations, but I can try to generalize them into a few categories. So the thing that would influence the decision of whether to ult or not are your wave state currently. Uh, that's, that's one of the factors. So for example, if the opposing minion waves have stacked up in front of your tower, and there are, for example, 12 minions in front of your tower, and they're just about to crash into the tower. If you ult at this point, you will lose the potential golden experience from all of those minions. Uh, you will give the opposing laner an advantage because he can get two, three, or even four tower plates. So the expected value of an ultimate in this position is heavily reduced by the situational factors of the wave state or like the lane state. So, so you should keep that in mind. So for example, if I see my support is about to die because he overextended into the enemy jungle while warding, and at the same time, there's three minion waves crashing on my tower, I will just let that support die because the expected value of that ultimate is negative because saving that support is not incentivizing enough in order for me to sacrifice all of that potential gold in top lane. So that's that's an example of a situation where I would not ult. Okay. Um, are there any other factors besides the, the minion wave? Yeah, this is, this is pretty hard to describe, but for example, if we move from the laning phase into the mid game, maybe even the late game, you will see situations where, for example, your teammate is surrounded by two or three opposing members. And you could potentially ult there, save the teammate for a little while, maybe even get one or two kills. But realistically, 
the expected outcome of that situation is that either your teammate dies before your ultimate goes off, so then that's just a wasted ultimate. Or the even worse option is your teammate lives just long enough for your ultimate to be cast, but then he dies immediately when you appear there, and then you die with him. So just being able to judge these situations accurately in order to determine whether the expected outcome of an ultimate in this situation is positive or negative is kind of the skill that is required to play Shen correctly. So that that's another example of something that would happen later on in the game that would influence your uh, decision. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Um, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about the items. I know that you mentioned earlier that you're always starting Dorn Shield. Um, why is that? And you know, why not Dorn's Blade? Uh, well, it's just it's just ob- objectively better to go Doran's Shield because the sustain that it gives. It's just superior to Doran's Blade, because you could look at Doran's Blade as a sustain item as well, because it has Omnivamp, but you're not making use of the AD. And Doran's Shield gives you on-hit damage on minions, so it gives you comparable wave clear to Doran's Blade, but the sustain is just its just remarkable <laughs> what Doran's Shield does. Like, uh, literally, it will give you so much HP during the laning phase, especially if you're consistently taking short trades, because this will trigger the healing passive and it will allow you to regen HP. It's it's just better than Doran's Blade, and I don't see any reason why we would start something else than Doran's Shield, other than maybe you could go Ruby Crystal if you're really spicy and want to get an early Bami Cinder power spike. But I would say Doran's Shield every game. All right. And then after that, what mythic options are there for Shen? What mythic options? So actually, I have done uh, <laughs> extensive empirical research on this topic because I have actually played Shen with every single mythic in the game. I have tested every one of them and given my opinion on them in a video, which was 10 hours long. (laughs) I would recommend it. Uh, (laughs) And I can say that, for example, um, Everfrost Shen was not that good, although in theory, could have been good. But the viable mythic options are all of the Bummy Cinder items. So this is a Turbo Game Tank, Frostfire Gauntlet, and Sunfire Ages. Those are all viable. There are distinct differences between them, but it actually comes down to preference, in my opinion, which one you're taking. Although I have been preferring Chem Tank for the majority of the season. Then other mythic items that you could situationally run is Riftmaker. This is an AP Bruiser item that actually can be utilized well on Shen if you build Titanic Hydra and Riftmaker. So the, the kind of inherent restriction that you have in Shen's builds is you always need one wave clear item. This wave clear item can be either one of the previously mentioned Bummy Cinder Mythics, or then it can be Titanic Hydra. You're kind of bound to take one of these four items every game, because Shen's uh, innate wave clear is so lacking. So if you go Titanic Hydra, you could go for a mythic that is more spicy, so something like Riftmaker, maybe even Trinity Force or Divine Sunderer. Uh, Trinity Force I wouldn't recommend. Divine Sunderer is actually good in some situations if you're ahead. Um, Then we have some supportive options like Locket of the Iron Solari. That could be useful in some games if you went maybe Titanic Hydra into Warmogs or something like this. But... If I'm being honest, this 
goes back to the point that I had earlier with the runes is that you're not getting like enough value out of being like super adaptive every game. Like oh, I always I always recommend you to be adaptive while building items and this is especially important on tanks because you have to decide what kind of resistances you are building based on the opposing team composition. But the generic build path for Shen is you can always go Bummy Cinder into one of the three Bummy Cinder mythics every game as your first item and then you build tanky items uh, with maybe a Titanic Hydra if you need more damage. That's what I would recommend to most people. But then because I like to mess around and because it makes for good content uh, when you try new builds, uh, you, you, have, you have this opportunity to go for uh, more um, spicy items. <laughs> All right, cool. So you mentioned then like after the mythic going mostly tank items, but I've also seen you run some interesting support items like Redemption, for example. What, uh, what's the idea behind that? So uh, this is this is one of my um, trademark <laughs> trademark innovations. Was uh, the turbo chem tank into redemption? So this build is called redemption. <laughs> yeah, get it to Japan. Anyways, uh, the reason why redemption is so good is because support items are actually extremely gold efficient because they're balanced around the fact that these items are built on supports normally. So when you give the opportunity to build support items for a champion that has access to um, normal income, then they suddenly become really good. And it gives you, because they are, the items are so cheap, so redemption costs only 2,300 gold, I think. So this item gives you a power spike much faster than normal legendary items. Like for example, most of these items cost like 3,000 gold, 3,100 gold. But instead, if you invest into a support item that is much cheaper, it allows you to get your power spike faster and the stats are not wasted on Shen because he has so many shields already. So he has passive shield and ultimate shield, which are both increased by redemption's uh, heal and shield power. And then the redemption unique active is actually incredibly powerful, especially in high low, because you can use it to heal your team after uh, a bad fight. Like for example, if you have a team fight, the, the, the team fight can kind of have a five second break just due to the nature of how these fights sometimes play out you can use redemption to heal your team maybe everyone gets healed like 300 health or something and it will suddenly change the outcome of that fight so in short items like mikal's crucible and redemption those two items are very gold efficient and because shen has shields he can build them without sacrificing uh, their gold efficiency Okay, interesting. I was also wondering, um, would you ever consider taking items that also increase your damage? I mean, you also you already mentioned like Titanic Hydra, but more as a wave clear item. Uh, what's your opinion on like, uh, let's say Holebreaker, for example, is technically you know a little bit more of a split push or even a bit of a dual item, right? What's your opinion on building a bit more damage than tankiness? Well, you know, I enjoy it, obviously. It's it's fun to build more damage because it's fun to see opponents die fast and it's fun to see their reactions because they're not used to getting killed by Shen in one rotation. So, first of all, it's fun. But Titanic Hydra, I think it's the kind of premier damage option that you have because it just synergizes with your kit so well. And actually, if you want damage, Abyssal Mask, it's like an offensive item, actually. Like... I calculated uh, in a Google spreadsheet like all of the two item combinations for Shen 
And then after I did some work on a mathematically correct chain build for uh, Ross Boomsock's YouTube channel, um, I realized that Abyssal Mask increases your damage uh, comparably to any like damage item. So, for example, you would think like, okay, if I go if I go Void Staff, or if I go, okay, maybe that's a bad example. If I go Blade of the Ruined King, if I go, I don't know, Infinity Edge, you would think that those items do more damage. But the Abyssal Mask percentual damage increase that you get on immobilized targets is so significant combined with your base damages that it actually does more damage than damage items or at least comparable damage and also gives you resistances and health. So the, I would say Titanic Hydra and uh, Abyssal Mask are the best damage options. Okay, interesting. That's like the, the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. All right. Finally, let's uh, talk about the the mid and the late game. Once the uh, the outer turrets kind of start to go down, what is Chen's role in in that phase of the game? You could you could say, or you could state it with a couple of principles. So first of all, you will always have to recognize what the current objective is. So if Baron is up and we're in a situation where both teams are capable of doing Baron, or even just one team is capable of doing Baron, then you want to play in the bot lane. So we'll be split pushing a bot lane. If Dragon is spawning, and we are not in a situation where we can take Baron yet, you will be on the top side of the map. So you will always be on the opposite side of the map with respect to the current objective. The current objective does not necessarily have to be a neutral objective. Sometimes your team will group up to push bot lane tower, tier 2 tower for example, then you will want to be on the opposite side of the map. And this is assuming that you have your ultimate up, which is most of the time the case, if you're running Ultimate Hunter. So we want to um, mirror the pressure of your team, because they're, for example, pushing tier two in bot lane. At the same time, you want to kind of just, just tease the opposing team a little bit. Just show that you're in the top side, be a nuisance, but don't put yourself into a position where you can die. Because you're not actually looking to take towers as Shen. All you want to do is push the waves so that uh, the enemy is denied experience. Maybe sometimes you can go hit the tower, but you don't take towers fast. You're not really interested in taking towers because you're not interested in getting gold for yourself. You're interested in winning the game. So what you do is you apply pressure, back off when it becomes dangerous, and then when the opposing team decides to fight in the bot lane, you will ult and you will win the fight. So always stay on the opposing map with respect to the current objective and don't die. Okay. Um, but last part specifically, so you mentioned uh, pushing to at least apply some pressure. Assuming that the enemy also sent someone to the side lane, right? Because they probably have someone with TP as well. Do you want to duel that person with Shen's decent dual potential? Or are you looking to actively avoid a fight just so that you can get a better ult off? This is completely dependent on uh, knowing the outcome of that duel. So this comes with experience. But for example, if the enemy is a Camille that is level 16, has four completed items, you will never win her in 1v1. So there's no point in fighting. All you try to do is kill the minions, keep the wave uh, kind of shoved out, don't let her take your towers. But if the opponent is, for example, an Orn and you're even, you will always beat Orn in a 1v1 if you play it correctly. So then, then you can play aggressively. And you can you can look for these kills even, but it's just completely dependent on if you're ahead, what champion you're playing against, and all of these factors 
uh, or based on these factors, you should be able to judge whether or not you win the 1v1. If you don't win it, don't do it. Okay. You mainly mentioned other top laners when it comes to who you can and can't duel. Um, what about mid laners? They'll show up in the side lane as well, right? And if they're running TP. Um, how well is Shen able to duel a mage, for example? That's actually a very interesting question because uh, I, I always stick to like top lane champions as an example. But the, the mid lane champions, obviously, they, they will appear and people will speed push as mid laners as well. And in general, Shen is not good versus mages in a 1v1 situation. Because, like, let's think about mages, for example. What kind of mages do we have? We have uh, control mages like Syndra, Anivia, Victor. These champions have CC and ways of peeling themselves, so that if you miss your taunt, you will die. Like, you have no way to uh, disengage that situation. They have more damage than you. They will have more levels and more experience than you, because naturally, Ashen you will be ulting, you will be missing minions while you have gone to another lane, and you will generally be behind in comparison to the enemy mid laner. So then in addition to control mages, we have something like mage assassins, something like LeBlanc or assassins in general. Um, LeBlanc is very difficult to deal with because she has so many dashes. Like, how are you supposed to kill LeBlanc? If, if she keeps her uh, ultimate, she will have like two flashes always. You have no real way of killing her. But but melee assassins, like AD assassins, something like uh, Zed or Talon, if you have a little bit of armor, you might be able to 1v1 them. But in general, mid laners will be ahead because they will have access to more gold and more experience. And that's why I would not recommend fighting mid laners in the side lane. All right. One thing I, I also wanted to ask about, as Shen, because you're ulting away often, um, you might give the enemy top laner a lot of chances to you know, either damage or take your turret, right? In particular, if the enemy uh, is really smart about it, what they might do is when they see you ult, is they take Herald and immediately use it top, and maybe completely destroy your turret before the, the platings are even down. Um, would this be particularly bad for you? What does it mean if the laning phase ends so early and abruptly? Well, first of all, this is something that... This will happen, right? Because you're naturally gonna be ulting away from your lane. The opposing top laner will get, uh, on average, more platings than usual. They will be ahead, especially if they have a strong top side, so their jungler is strong and their top laner is strong. You will lose your tower early. It will happen. And you can't prevent it from happening in some games. When this happens, it's not the end of the world. Because what, what it actually does is, usually in this situation, the opposing top laner is ahead of you, so he, he would like to be fighting you, but what you can do is just pick up the waves when the waves hit your second tier tower and then try to play with your team. Because Shen actually, <laughs> it, he, he functions well in these uh, Fiesta games. So, so when I say Fiesta, I mean games that are completely out of control and people are always fighting. So if you're running Ultimate Hunter, you have a little bit of ability haste, you will kind of be ulting every time you have it off cooldown and you will be turning the game into a kind of death match. And this happens a lot uh, in lower elos where the game is not controlled. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but I would say that you need to always just look around the map and make sure you know what is happening with your bot laner, your jungler and your mid laner all of the time. And then situation like this where your tower goes down, 
it's it's not the end of the world. It actually doesn't affect the gameplay that much. Okay. Lastly, I also wanted to ask kind of about the opposite situation because you mentioned, especially in the early levels and the trading, that it is quite possible for Shen to do and kill the enemy top laner during the laning phase. What do you do if you have gained a significant lead in that laning phase? Um, how do you use that advantage well throughout the mid game? Um, if you have gained an advantage in the top lane, normally top laners would try to snowball it through their own lane. So what they would try to do is get tower platings, get tower, maybe get Rift Herald with uh, jungler, stuff like this. This is not what they're trying to do as Shen. What you want to do is you want to get gold on your teammates, because you're not a champion that scales well. So gold on your carry is much more valuable than gold on you. So you don't really care about tower platings, you don't care about pushing top lane that much. What you want to do is, if you're ahead, you want to shove the wave and immediately look for a proactive ultimate. So what I've been talking about for the majority of this podcast up until now is reactive ultimates. So we're looking at situations where we can turn around the fight based on what is happening currently. Proactive ultimates are much more common once you're ahead in lane. So what you can do is you can force a situation where your wave state is good. So immediately the expected value of ultimate is better because you're not losing that many minions by choosing the ultimate. And then what you want to do is you want to maybe maybe ping your jungler a little bit, ping the Zack that, okay, we want to go for a play on bot lane. So I'm going to ping my ultimate. I'm going to ping on my way to bot lane. We're going to see how it turns out. If it looks good, then we will just proactively ult on Zack while he's charging up the E in a bush. And we will just try to snowball bot lane through that. And, and like proactive ultimates can be difficult to do in solo queue because the coordination is what it is, uh, but they're not impossible. If you use pings efficiently, you don't you, you don't just spam them randomly. Use them with uh, a clear purpose and consistently, frequently. Then your team will respond to them, and you will be able to perform proactive ultimates that allow you to snowball the lead that you have gained in top lane for your teammates, and then win the game through that. Okay, awesome, cool. Um. Yeah, lastly, I wanted to kind of get your high-level view on the game as a whole. And one thing that's uh, immediately noticeable when, when I've uh, watched you play is that you're always incredibly calm. <laughs> um, even when you're getting like towered over by three people, you, you manage to play it so calmly and then just uh, laugh it off afterwards. How do you do that? I'm kind of proud of myself for being able to do that, like what the, this situation, what you said. But it's, it's not easy. People ask me, like, how can you be so calm? How are you not raging and flaming right now? It's not easy. It's not natural. Obviously, like instinctively, if if you're getting completely beat and you're losing lane and your team is not doing well, then the instinctive response is, okay, something is wrong. I'm kind of upset. I'm angry. But all of that stems from a false uh, kind of approach to the game. So you have to make a clear distinction between uh, being results-oriented and performance oriented. So in every game, I will try, okay, I won't do this every game. Like I'm not a perfect human, like, no one is. So, so, so I still have that side where sometimes I will just get upset at the game because that's just what happens. But I don't care about uh, whether we are winning or losing. All I'm trying to do is play the best possible league that I can from that situation. And a lot of people, they just, 
I don't know. I don't know why this happens. Or I, I do realize it's like basic psychology, but they they get upset when they're losing. I see it as a positive because we can we're in a situation where we can fight like this uphill battle, and if we win it, it will be really glorious. And if we don't, oh, okay, it's not it's not that bad. We can try better. At least we know that we tried our hardest, and we shouldn't be upset with ourselves. So you should always look at the game from kind of this perspective of um, objectivity. So you're trying to maximize your own performance and you don't really care if your team makes mistakes because this is what people people get upset about is that their team played bad. Like, I'm never upset. Okay, sometimes. But in general, <laughs> I'm never upset if my team plays bad because I wasn't in control of my team. So why would you be upset about something that you can't control? That is just wasted energy. The only time that I get really upset when I'm playing is if I notice that I'm playing really poorly because I'm trying to play as well as I can. But if I see that I'm not performing to the level that I know I could be performing at, then I get upset. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that. One thing I, I wanted to, to follow up on that is in particular, you know, being results oriented versus kind of looking at the, the the process of your games. If you're not really looking at the outcome of a game, then what are you looking for to improve on the game? You know, what kind of things do you try to go back to or see uh, what you can actually influence? Well, this can be this can be anything really. So we start from micro aspects. So, for example, early game trade. What mistake did I make? Why did I lose this trade? Okay, I see. I used my W ineffectively. I only blocked one out attack when I could have blocked two out attacks. Okay, I see. I, I missed one empowered Q because I used my Q to last hit and ruined my blade positioning. I should keep this in mind. Try to do it better next time. Oh, I died three times to an Aatrox player? Why did I do that? Oh, yeah, because I can't respect them. Because like I, I keep thinking that maybe that I can kill, maybe I can kill, maybe I can kill. When the correct attitude is, okay, this matchup is losing for you, you should not be going for kills, you should be looking for advantages on the other side of the map. So this this can be really anything that you're trying to improve. But yeah, I don't know, do you have any follow-up questions on this matter? I'm, I'm about to talk about this uh, kind of uh, perspective to league. <laughs> yeah, um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's, who's struggling with this, especially if they are... Uh, you know, if they always feel like they need to look at their team, like as Shen, you're constantly looking at your teammates and what they're doing, right? How do you, um, what advice would you give to someone who feels like they need to be able to influence, but, uh, you know, struggle with not being able to? Um, literally, like a concrete advice that I will give is just the ch disable chat. Like, I have kept my chat disabled for the entirety of this season, last season, kind of as well, because your teammates, they will not say anything useful. Chances are, the only message that, that will come, that you will kind of recognize, are messages that upset you. So this will be something like, why why didn't you ult me? They will spam being your ultimate. Why, why didn't you ult me? The instinctive response is try to argue with this, right? You will say, well, if you saw my wave state, I would lose three waves if I ult in this position. So for that reason, I did not ult. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no point in trying to argue. So just disable chat. It will make League so much more enjoyable. Trust me. Like, I, I don't know why people even play with chat on, because everyone gets affected by it. And pings are completely sufficient for communication in this game. So that's a concrete advice. 
and maybe a more like um, theoretical advice or something to keep in mind is to simply track your progress and try to see what aspects of your gameplay you have improved. So we're trying to promote this like kind of atmosphere of growth. And that's what makes League enjoyable, is when you learn new champions, you learn new skills, you start to realize that, okay, I'm starting to get good at Shen, I can do these extended trades and I'm looking around the map. So if you keep maybe just, just like text file, uh, on your desktop where you record some thoughts about every game you said okay well this matchup was kind of difficult I didn't perform well mechanically but then two weeks later you say okay I came against the same match matchup this time and I actually won it in lane and uh, just just focusing on improving yourself as a player uh, will result in first of all it will make the game more enjoyable and second of all it will actually make you climb faster so you would think that uh, only focusing on whether you win or lose every game would make you climb faster. But the correct way to climb is by focusing on uh, your own performance and improvement, because that's the only factor that you can control. I love that. I feel like even keeping that log, uh, in particular of stuff that you've improved, would probably help you just play better as well, because naturally i feel people just remember the bad parts right they remember the bad games they had but if you're actively writing down <laughs> the the good parts uh, then you should be able to reinforce yourself and and you know replicate that better yeah i actually want to emphasize this point because like I, i'm lazy with it i'm lazy with this kind of stuff because i haven't been actively trying to uh, improve my gameplay for uh, this year but just to sell this point of tracking your own progress even further is the first time I reached Challenger, it was completely due to this. Like what I did is I was in Diamond 4 or something. And then I started to keep just like what I said, a text file on your desktop where you write a couple of sentences after every game. And then you start to like recognize these recurring themes. Maybe three games in a row you wrote down, I died to an early gank because I did not ward. And then when you have that concrete evidence on your desktop that says that I did not work, it will be much easier to improve that aspect of your gameplay than maybe if you didn't record any thoughts about your gameplay, you would just think, oh yeah, uh, jungle gap once again. <laughs> like you don't have that concrete uh, evidence to fall back on that says that, okay, I made a mistake and this is what happened. And this happens cons uh, consistently. Every time I make this mistake, the enemy punishes me for it. So it's much easier to improve yourself. And just by recording my own gameplay, I went from Diamond 5 to Challenger in like a span of like two months or something. Like it's really crazy how fast you can improve. That's awesome. All right. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask, because I've been wondering about this, even though you are a Shen OTP, you, you also, I think you mentioned this, you have a YouTube series where you uh, try a different champion for seven days. Um, where did that come from and, and what's kind of the idea behind it? Um, it stems from a lot of different factors. So first of all, if you look at it from a business <laughs> business side of things, like I don't, I don't manage my YouTube channel as a business because I feel like it's more of a passion project. But obviously when most people who are interested in she seeing uh, Shen content will have already subscribed to me, then the obvious path to uh, reach a wider audience 
is to extend to more champions. So that, that's the fact, like business factor on why I decided to do it. But the other factor is that I've played Shen for a while now. And at this point, the kind of effort that I put in only results in marginal increases in my performance. Because I think that I can play Shen, I, I'm not going to say close to perfection, but pretty, pretty well, pretty well. And at this point, if I play another 1000 games of Shen, that pretty well is not going to increase to close to perfect or like perfect. It's going to increase to pretty well plus one. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the increases uh, and the growth is not that significant. But instead, I'm challenging myself to play more champions to kind of find champions like Trundamir, for example, was really enjoyable for me to play. And because uh, you get these newbie gains, like, for example, when you start going to the gym for the first time, you get a lot of increase in your performance during the first two months, for example. But those newbie games, uh, new, <laughs> newbie gains have already been um, used for me on Shen. So when I move to a new champion, I can feel that sense of self-growth much faster and it's more rewarding for me. And it also makes the game more refreshing when you try new champions and try to master them. All right. Awesome. The, the very last question that I have for you is, what is the best Chen skin? Okay, okay, okay. okay. So, so I have a couple of answers here. The, the best outright best Chen skin is Surgeon Shen. The reason why is his auto attack animation is really smooth. And he has a lot of chromas that are actually not available in the shop, but he has cool chromas. And he's wearing Crocs. So for that footwear, you get plus <laughs> 10 points. And I don't know, for this, this skin just does more damage for some reason. I can't seem to put my finger on it, but when you go search in Shen, you just do more damage. But then there are a couple of uh, like runner-ups. Uh, for example, TPA Shen, if you want to descend into complete mental chaos and take your opponent with you, because every time you auto-attack, there will be this bonk sound from the TPA. I don't know what they're called, you know, the, the fan kind of... Uh, I have no idea what they're called in English. But anyways, it makes a funny sound when you auto-attack and it can be really annoying. And then uh, another runner-up is probably Pulsefire Shen or Psyop Shen, but they're just kind of like cool i guess <laughs> all right i love that cool all right thank you so much for for being on the podcast this has been really awesome no problem where can people find out more about you uh so my main content uh, lies on youtube youtube.com slash axpetu i make uh league videos mostly or like all of my videos have been league until now and like i said i'm trying to expand into more champions and kind of uh Make the best homemade YouTube content possible. And then other platforms, Twitch, Twitter, uh, Axpeto on there. So follow me. All right. Awesome. All right. That's it for this episode. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, be sure to join the Discord. It'll be the place for announcements, events like the Q&A, and perhaps even giveaways and more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sending it to someone who you think would be interested in it as well. Thank you for listening.